Welcome to the Shadron Berean Church Podcast, where you'll find some of the latest teachings from Shadron Berean Church in Shadron, Nebraska. We are a loving community of believers growing in God's grace in Christ together. The heartbeat of our church is to have deep roots in the Word of God and to bear fruit by passionately applying it to our lives by His power for His glory. And we thank you for joining us. But, uh, you know, we can, I think all of us think of uh, experiences that we won't forget, <clears throat> experiences that changed our lives forever. You know, maybe uh, just uh, one single moment, a moment in time that left an impression on you. You know, it had lasting consequences, lasting effects on your life, and, and it was a huge part of what made you who you are today. Maybe it was a message someone shared, a conversation. Maybe it was the, uh, the day you met your spouse or had your first child. Sometimes it's negative things that, that go on in our lives. Maybe, I don't know, a, a season, a battle with, with sickness, a loss of someone, something. You know, but uh, either way, there, there's just certain moments in your life where they mark you. You know what I mean? They change you. They change your life forever. And Passover was one of those, those nights uh, for Moses and the Israelites. It, it changed them forever. It, it set them apart as a nation, changed their lives forever. And, uh, you know, if, if you're just joining us for the Easter weekend, we, are, we have been going through uh, a study on, on Exodus and the life of Moses. And uh, at least in our study anyway, we are... You know, we're, we're several weeks, a month ahead of them, chronologically, from the night of the Passover in Egypt. You know, we're already beyond the Red Sea, we're at Mount Sinai now. But we're going we're gonna to rewind tonight and come back to the Passover. I kind of reserved it um, for this night, just so we could focus on it. It's the final plague. Uh, the final plague, the tenth of, uh, you know, ten plagues that God brought on Egypt. And it was the, the death of the firstborns of the Egyptians. And uh, it was that, that plague that really set uh, Israel apart as a nation. That was what, when God freed them um, from slavery in Egypt. And, uh, you know, uh, this is what we're celebrating tonight. I mean, essentially, it's Passover. We call it Easter. It's Passover. Um, but uh, <clears throat> in, in the Christian sense, because as Christians, we believe Jesus fulfilled Passover. You know, the Jews are still celebrating Passover today, but not in the sense that Jesus fulfilled it as the Messiah. And, you know, this is honestly probably the most tremendous illustration of the redemption that Jesus Christ accomplished for us. It's the night of the Passover. I mean, it just, uh, I don't think there's anything that foreshadows the redemptive work of the cross in a more amazing detail than, than Passover, than that 10th plague. And so we're going to look at some of the parallels between that first Passover in Egypt and then uh, the, the Passover, I'm just going to call it the Passover of the cross. It's uh, two different types. Well, one that portrays the other. So look at, let's look at Exodus 12, 1 through 13. Now God is instructing Moses and Aaron here on how to prepare for this night. 
when God's wrath moves through the land of, of Egypt. That says, Now Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It's to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, they are to take each one a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Verse 4, Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he, is, he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to each, what each man should eat, you are to apportion the lamb. Your lamb shall be a male without blemish, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood, and they shall put it on the doorposts and on the lintel of the, in the house of the houses in which they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh... That night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left over until morning you shall burn with fire. And now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Passover of Yahweh, and I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh, and the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. See the Passover. And there shall be no plague among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to Yahweh. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a perpetual statute. Um, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. But on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So there's just a lot of information there, I know. Uh, I'm just going to try to summarize it a little bit for us. But you've got the Passover night, and then you've got a feast of unleavened bread. After that, for about a week, that's also considered part of Passover, technically. But Israel, remember, Israel has been, at this point, just slaves in the land of, of Egypt, and Pharaoh, even after these nine plagues so far, has not let Israel go. And Israel is, God called Israel my firstborn. Yeah, and uh, Pharaoh wouldn't let them go from Egypt to worship him. Remember how Pharaoh, too, in the beginning of Exodus, had, you know, he was, he was slaughtering male infants, uh, male Hebrew infants. I mean, countless, countless Hebrew male infants have died. And this last plague really is, I think, a climactic judgment against Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt, um, partly because of that. But note the, the careful and specific instructions that the Israelites are given. Okay, you've got to put yourself in their shoes real quick. God says uh, that the angel, the destroyer, uh, God's destroyer, right, is going to come through Egypt and he's going to strike people dead. And here's your instructions on how to not be struck dead. Do you think they're going to listen? 
You saw all those instructions we just read, right? And they were pretty precise. Uh, yeah, I think, I think they had their ears on that night. But let's look at some of these instructions in particular. Number one, the Passover marked a new beginning for Israel as a nation. This is what identifies them as a nation is this. After this, they're independent from Egypt. I mean, they are a people. The nomads of Yahweh living out in the desert for 40 years. But nevertheless, they're God's people in it. And, uh, you know, this, this marked the, this would mark, a, this, this thing, this event would mark a new year for them, a new month, new year. And it became an annual feast that the Jews are still celebrating today. It's actually um, the beginning of their religious calendar. They have two calendars, but we're not going to go into that. Uh, they have one agri- agricultural calendar. And then one religious calendar now. But uh, second, the Passover lamb was to be without blemish. Without blemish. They had to select a young, unblemished male lamb. Basically, it couldn't have any defects. You know, there, there couldn't be anything wrong with it. And, and then notice this. There was no substitute for the lamb. Hey, I mean, you know, the, we, if you've read through the Law of Moses, you know there was other sacrifices they could bring at times. They could bring, if they couldn't afford a lamb, like if you were poor, you could bring, you know, maybe a dove or a grain offering or a calf or something like that. Not here. You had to bring a lamb. That's what it even said. It said if, if their household isn't big enough to have a lamb, they have to go into a household who does have a lamb, and they have to share it with them. There's no substitution here for the lamb. It must be a lamb. And that was the only way to be saved. And so you had to listen carefully. And then I think that uh, if we're going to take an application from Moses tonight, since we've been doing a biography on him, let's take this one here. We need to listen to God's word carefully and then tell others how to be saved from God's wrath. Right? Let's listen to what God's word has to say about how to be saved and then tell others, just like Moses. Moses has to listen to God and then tell others his instructions on how to be spared from God's wrath. Um, but let's look, just parallel Passover with Jesus. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So these lambs in Exodus point forward to the Lamb of God. Jesus too, remember? Uh, so they would pick out their lamb on the 10th of Nisan, which is March, April for us. Uh, it's kind of a mix of both months. But um, they would pick out the lamb on the 10th, sacrifice it on the 14th. And they say for four days, they would just sit there and they would examine this lamb for blemishes. You know, it, that's at least what they started to do. Well, when you read the Gospels, you can't help but notice in Jesus' final week, he is examined time and time again. He's tested and tested and tested by his, the enemies, the religious Jews, the leaders, and then the, the Roman governors. And basically he walks away from it and, and they, the, the people are saying, we can't find anything wrong with him. There's no fault in him. Even Pilate said, I find no guilt with him. Isaiah prophesied about him saying there wouldn't be any deceit in Jesus. There's no deceit in him. He's spotless. He's blameless. He's sinless. The sinless son of God and man. And then third, the Passover lamb was to be killed and the blood applied. So they were to slaughter the lamb and apply the blood to their doorposts. And when the destroyer, uh, which was God in his wrath, moved through the land of Egypt, he, he looked for that blood. The blood was like a shield that kept God's wrath from destroying the people inside that house. He just looked for the blood. He didn't look to see who was 
good enough. He didn't look to see who was worthy, you know, who did, who did more good deeds than bad deeds. He didn't look for that. He looked for the blood. You know, none of the Egyptians, none of the Israelites were worthy. None of them were spotless. You had to be covered by the blood. Same thing the New Testament tells us. Without the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross, there, there is no forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And uh, just, let's just note a few more parallels that were read in some of our scripture readings. Uh, you'll see some of them come up. But just as the Israelites had to eat the lamb, remember what Jesus said, we have to eat his flesh. And he's talking, is he talking literally or is he talking spiritually? He's talking about how we, we, our souls feed on the sacrifice of Christ. Like he satisfies our spiritual hunger. Um, think about how Passover lambs were thoroughly roasted with fire. You couldn't roast, do it any other way. And I, I, the way I like to look at that is that Jesus endured the, the fiery trial that uh, on, the, on the cross he took upon himself God's wrath. You know, uh, let's think about how, verse 46, the Israelites were not to break any of the bones on the lambs. That was a, an explicit command. Verse 46, don't break the bones. Why? Because years later, who was going to come? Jesus Christ on the cross. You know what they did with the two criminals? Beside him, they broke their bones. They broke their legs. Not with Jesus. He, was, he had already passed by then. He'd already gave up his spirit. And then just as the Israelites used hyssop or bitter herbs to apply the blood, like they dipped the bitter herbs in the blood and applied it to their doorposts, um, they gave Jesus a drink of sour wine on a hyssop branch while he was on the cross. At least that's what John says. And then Israel um, ate unleavened bread. They had the feast of unleavened bread with this Passover meal. And leaven is often a picture of sin. So being unleavened means it's referring to sinlessness. right? And then uh, Jesus is the unleavened bread that came down from heaven, he said. Uh, he's, the, he's the manna that came down from heaven to feed us spiritually and free us from sin. And there's just there's so many parallels here that are just uh, amazing that you know, the parallels between the original Passover and the cross, that it's, it's really mind-blowing when you sit down to think about it. And uh, let's just take home from this two foundational truths, two big ones in our hearts tonight. And these are simple truths, but they, they never get old. Number one, guys, we, this is the best news you'll ever hear, and I hope it never gets old to you, no matter how many times you hear it, but you are saved by grace through faith in Christ's sacrifice for you. Saved by grace, it's free, it's through faith, we're trusting in. What are we trusting in? Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. We don't trust ourselves, we trust the blood that he shed for us. You know what I'm saying? We trust his sacrifice. And uh, we have to, because we are defective, right? We're sinners, we are not spotless, we're not blameless. Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel says the soul who sins shall die. We've all sinned. We all deserve to die. But here's the thing. Jesus, the Lamb of God, died so that we could live. Amen? Amen. Yes. It's amazing. It's good news. And, 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 but here's the thing, guys. This is what I didn't understand growing up. It's not that just his blood had to be shed. It's that the blood had to be applied personally. You personally had to take the blood and apply it. And we have to personally apply the blood to our lives through faith. 
We personally have to do this. Um, Look at how they just demonstrated their faith. Did you see it? They had their loins girded. They had their, right, their, their, they wore different clothes than us, right? They had their, their, their robes hiked up, ready. They were ready to go. They had their sandals on. They had their staff in hand. You know, they had their bags packed. They're ready to leave in faith. They believed God was going to do that. Hebrews eleven twenty eight says, Moses by faith kept the fat Passover. And so those who have personally believed or trusted in or placed their faith in what Jesus did on the cross for them, God's wrath passes over you. You're covered by the blood. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That is an amazing thing. But uh, it's like one man said, you know, you have to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Right? Uh, personal, make it personal. And if you're, you're here tonight and sin is starting to taste bitter to you and you feel like you need a new beginning, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is where it's at. He, 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 can, he can give you the new beginning. You know, just like he gave Israel a new beginning, he gives you a new beginning, a new life, a personal exodus. But secondly, let's just continue living in a manner worthy of Christ's sacrifice. You know, once... We place our faith in Christ, we're saved, we're born again by the Holy Spirit. Now we have the power to live for God. And uh, I think this is illustrated by the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Right, Passover, you're saved. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread that they would celebrate for a week um, basically demonstrates that once we're saved, we're to be sanctified. And so we live out our faith. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8 say, Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump just as you are, in fact, unleavened. You're, you're already unleavened, really. You're, un, you're, you're saved. But uh, clean out the old leaven is what he says. Isn't that great? Um, for, he says, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. And then 1 Peter 1 says, Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your sojourn, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your futile conduct inherited from your fathers, but with the precious blood. You're redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And so um, right now we're, we're going to... We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, Passover, uh, this sort of a, a modified Passover meal. You know, at the last, the last Supper, Jesus kind of took this big, big Passover meal with all these elements, and he boiled it down to uh, a bread and a cup, you know. And the, the, the bread symbolizes his, his sinless body that he gave for us, his, his perfect humanity. And then the blood, uh, obviously, or the, the cup represents his blood that he shed for us. Thank you.